Hello, I'm Luke Hatfield. You're here listening to the Baggies Broadcast Season 2, Episode 6. I'm with one man you will all know incredibly well, Mr. Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? I'm very well. I'm a bit nervous that everybody knows me incredibly well, but yeah, I'm quite well. Yeah, good. Good weekend? Great weekend, yeah. Um, Can't complain for a number of reasons, mainly because it was quite enjoyable going down to the Hawthorns um, on Saturday. Um, I had a thoroughly good time there. Um, and it's always, you know, the job's always a bit easier after after a win and, and after, a, well, you were there, yeah. a, a win that's slightly more convincing, I thought, than, than the uh, than the scoreline. Um, and also, I finished my dry August, so oh. I even managed to celebrate with a with a little uh, Guinness Porter afterwards oh, as well. Fair play to you. That's, that was always a good thing. At the Hawthorns last year, there was a time when they, they had a couple beers in afterwards, and I was like, oh dear, they got beers here? I haven't done it this season yet. I'm, I'm looking forward to when they bring them back. Maybe it's the... The, the bite of the championship, I'm not oh, sure. But well, uh, I'll have to, I'll have to we'll have to celebrate somehow, Matt, especially if they, go, they end up going up, which uh, I'm, I'm heavy on that train now. Matt. Are you on it? Okay. I'm on the train. Getting ahead of yourself a bit, but yeah. Yeah, but um, I mean, certain, certainly was a good weekend. I'm still getting over Dwight Gale's first goal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that first goal, we were watching clips of it in the office just, and his first touch, I mean, the work he does beforehand is great, but his first touch to, to turn and then beat, but I mean, it was just a great goal. Yeah, I th- I think it's one of the best individual slash team goals I've I've seen um, ever live. Live, I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to. Th- I'm I'm struggling to think. I've seen well, maybe from an Albion player. I've seen quite a few good ones scored against the Baggies <laughs> down the years. <laughs> Let's keep quiet the, about them. It might be the best. It might be one of the best or one of the most aesthetically pleasing goals that I've covered. Mm. Well, I've seen Albion score whilst I've been covering them. Put it that way. Yeah. Um, I hadn't realised actually that Gibbs, although the move started off with Johnston and then Brunt played it out to Gibbs, I hadn't realised that it was Gibbs that passed into Gale first. Yeah. Um, so it was a real great two-man effort from those two. Um, and if you look at what Gale, I know obviously the turn on the pirouette and the way he goes past Butler, that's brilliant. But is his work before that for, for me? On on you know he's crowded out. He comes and gets the ball. He's crowded out. He nicks it one way past the Tebow, runs the other way around. He's on the byline with about three Stoke players swarming on him. And you think, oh, yeah. he's going to lose the ball here. Mm. No, he shifts it to one side, plays it inside, has the presence of mind to continue. I just thought that, that's why I like Gale. Uh, yeah, obviously mm. the finishing, sublime. He's a great finisher. But that's why I like Gale. It's that build-up play. And he's he just seems relentless. And he seems to be playing with a smile on his face. I really like the way he celebrated both his goals. You know, at one end he was shushing the Stoke fans, yeah. and at the other end he was cupping his ear to the home fans. You know, that's a sign of a true striker, in my opinion. He's he celebrates them properly. But you know, we spoke to him after the game. He doesn't come across like an arrogant guy mm. at all. He seems really humble, really nice, always smiling. He's got like an infectious grin, and I wonder if that's um, you know his non-league upbringing as well, because he's come he's come all the way through the leagues and done really well uh, to get to where he is. So he's got that sort of attitude, that almost that Jamie Vardy relentless running attitude. Yeah, um, that's won him a couple of uh, a few penalties as well. He really is. He does really look like a, a massive player for West Brom this season. And and you know, as we saw on Saturday, he's capable of some brilliant, um, well, scoring some brilliant goals. And I know we're early on, but he's in on loan. Is there any way that Albion? Try and you know make a deal with Newcastle to keep this guy permanent because I'm. Solomon Rondon, don't don't get me wrong. Solomon Rondon is a different type of striker, 
and he's one who endeared himself to the fans very well. And he was always a hard worker. You can never fault that. But Dwight Gale, he really has settled in quick. And he's one which you think, if he's permanently at Albion, this guy could score plenty. Yeah, I don't think we've seen a striker like this at Albion since maybe Peter Odenwingi, maybe mm. even Kevin Phillips looking further back. It's great to have like a marksman there who plays off the last shoulder, plays off the last man and just looks deadly. Yeah. Um, as for joining permanently, look, it's so early in the, in the day. I mean, yeah. so much can happen. Um, between now and next summer I noticed that Rondon's already said that he's eager to join Newcastle permanently <laughs> that's quite interesting um, but the way things are going you know if okay we're getting ahead of ourselves here but say West Brom were to go up and Newcastle were to go down yeah. and I'm not suggesting that either of those are, are set in stone you know there's a long way to go I, I could see neither of them happening to be fair mm-hmm. but if that was to happen then Maybe Gale could be persuaded to join Albion, particularly if he's been welcomed so readily by the fans and if, he, if he's built a bit of a bond with them. Um, that being said, the Newcastle fans really like him as well for, because of what he did um, for them two seasons ago in the Championship. Um, and I, and you know, I know it's a different level and I know um, there are different uh, demands in the Premier League compared to the Championship. Yeah. But I am, I am amazed that Gale didn't get more game time um, for Newcastle last last season, I'm amazed that Rafa Benitez doesn't like him, or, or not doesn't like him, doesn't want him um, this season because yeah, he just looks pretty clinical. Did seem a very strange decision from a Newcastle point of view, didn't it? I mean, it's an it, odd one. It did seem strange, but you know, I can I can sort of understand why you want Rondon in the Premier League because of his physicality, but I would argue that Gale. Gale's pace and Gale's tenacity is is, is just as dangerous and, yeah. and arguably more so. Um, Darren Moore after the game said that both both teams got a good deal, um, almost hinting at that at that sort of suggestion that Rondon's a Premier League striker and, and Gale's a Championship striker. I'm not so sure. I completely agree with that. I think Albion have got a great deal here. Yeah, um, and if. If they can keep Gale fit, then he's going to be a massive asset this season. And um, again, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. I'm not saying this is going to happen at all, but say they did win promotion, I would love to see how he gets on in a in a team like this in the yeah. prem, in the Premier League. Um, only because I think he's got I think he's got it, but um, I think he's got the ability. But yeah, we're getting way ahead of ourselves because they're not even Albion what ninth in the league or something, eighth in the league. So long way to go. Yeah, there is certainly is, and let's talk about the game quickly. West Brom two, Stoke one. As you said, scoreline doesn't really reflect just how comfortable Albion were. Well, that's the one thing I was I was quick to pick up on in the in the post match video we did. Matt, they seem so comfortable. I don't know if comfortable is the right word. I think they were in control. Yeah, they. I mean, they didn't they didn't necessarily look that comfortable at the back in the first half, mm. trying to play out from the back, and they, they got themselves into a spot bother a couple of times. Um, and they didn't always look comfortable towards the end of the game. You know, obviously, a phobia misses the penalty. There was a couple of other chances that, that Stoke had, albeit well defended by Albion. But it was certainly a more complete performance. They were in control of possession for most of the game. They controlled most of the game. Um, and the, there were lots of positives to be had, particularly in cent- at, c- at centre-back, the three-man defence, and also um, in central midfield with, with Livermore and Bront. Because those are the two areas of concern before that game, and and they played both those areas looked a lot better, a lot yeah. more improved. Um, you know, we we've we've already seen this, this team attack at will and, and look good. We've already seen Barnes play well and he played well again. By the way, um, we've already seen Phillips look dangerous. We've already seen Gibbs play. You know, look dangerous going as a wing back. Almost that attacking side of the game had almost been 
not box ticked because obviously you can always improve, but I think I think majority of people were com- com- comfortable and confident that that was a, a strong side to Albion's game. Yeah, it was the central midfield and the centre backs which which concerned them. But I think they did a lot, particularly in that second half, um, to convince that actually, um, you know. This is a, a, a more well-oiled and well-rounded team that's getting used to this system now. Yeah, is that is is that the key? Is that is it just time with the system? Do you think that's what's made these players more comfortable? Because it's not been it's not been a change of personnel at all, has it? I think there's two things. I think one, there is that that, that they've had more time to, to hone in on it. They're getting used to it. Um, you know, the, I only think I only expect the centre backs to, to to get better at playing the ball out the back, out from the back, because the more they do it, the more. The, the better their decision making will be, and the more options that the players will make, and they'll get into these little patterns of play that they get used to. Okay, if I if Garzi has the ball, Brunt and Livermore know where to run to, drop deep or whatever. I also think there's a couple of other things at play though. I thought Stokes formation, their four four one one, which is essentially a four four two with Berahino off off Crouch, played into their hands. You know, it was quite a rigid formation, and it let them play in between the lines. There was so much space. Uh, a bit for, outdated, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I, th- I thought it was a bit, bit poor, and it wasn't until Ryan Woods came on and, they, and he changed his system slightly. Gary Rowett, he put Woods as a deeper line playmaker and, and pushed Allen and, and Atibo further forward. That Stokes started to actually ask some questions, and he should have done that much earlier in the game for my money. Albion were in control because they had so much space. Um, whether they were, uh, whether it was Brunt or, uh, and Livermore, sort of. Uh, doubling up on Berahino in that mm. sort of deeper position, or whether it was Barnes getting in between the line of the midfield of the de- of Stokes' defence and Stokes' attack, um, they just yeah the system I thought just completely null or completely did for, for for Stokes like you say pretty outdated system. Yeah. But also at the back, I thought Craig Dawson's return to the side um, sort of emboldened everybody at the back. Yeah, he was he was superb. I thought he played really well. Solid game from him. Um, but Higazi and Bartley looked a lot better as well albeit after a couple of shaky moments in the first half that's it Dawson's experience as well is you know you can't understate it I did feel a little bit bad for Tosin Adarabayo when he was you know swapped out but it's the one which makes the most sense he's not a West Brom player he's on loan and he is a youngster isn't he whereas these other two you know Higazi and Bartley of course more experienced yeah I don't think the loan thing matters too much you know he's here for a season um, you know, you're talking about developing players. Actually, I think Darren has proven that what he tries to do is put a team, the best team, out to win the match. Mm. Obviously, he's used the Carabao Cup as, as, a, as a vehicle for developing players and trialing new systems, and he's done it quite well so far. Um, I think Adarabayo was always going to be the one that, that went out because Higazi and Bartley are more experienced. I think. Um, you know, I don't. I think Higazi was quite fortunate to keep his place in many ways, yeah, because he was absolutely rotten at the Riverside. But um, you know, he he stepped up, particularly in the second half. And um, you know, I know he looks a bit shaky on the ball. Um, but would you would you rather have a Higazi or Adarabayo as that sort of centre centre back, central centre back, who uh, is given the ball? I don't know. It's difficult. <laughs> Higazi uh, doesn't always convince but mm. at least he's got the sort of experience and the sort of um, what's the word confidence sometimes, yeah. sometimes he's overconfident yeah. but he's got the confidence to play out that way um, listen Adra will get his chance because there's three centre-backs and it's a long old season mm. um, so you know and he's the fourth centre-back he's the next cab off the rank as it were so he'll definitely play some games um, I know what you mean about being unfortunate 
But you could argue that Connor Townsend has been unfortunate. You could yeah. argue that Raheem Harper has been unfortunate not to play more. Um, there's competition for places, and uh, you know, I think those that's good because what we're seeing now is the starting eleven step up. Mm, that's it. Um, we've seen this system now a number of times in the league. They'd like to play the ball out. Is there? I mean, there's a couple of times when you're sat next to me in that press box, Matt, and you make some noises next to me like, "Oh, should he be doing that?" It's it's one of them where it, at times you think, "Should he really be playing that?" Is there a time and a place for it? Well, obvious. The obvious, uh, I suppose, contender for that was when Johnston. Uh, he was actually trying to hoof it long, I think. Yeah, at I think stage, so. But McLean charged him down, and yes, that it, it did look a bit. Um, what's the word? Uh, it did look a bit worrisome at the back at times, yeah. you know, because they were trying to play it out. But there was a dink he played as well. I think there was a dink into midfield, which didn't yeah. work out. And there's a dink. I think there was another dink that Bartley played in midfield that Atiba cut out on his chest. Um, and Higazi as well. A couple of poor back passes. A couple of you know playing themselves into trouble. But I think um, you know we had a word with Carl Bartley after the game, and, and and his his message was almost like we know when we make a mistake, but yeah. bear with us because because the um, the fruits of, of playing that way outweigh the negatives. Yeah, and I think we saw that on Saturday um, when it did work. It is capable of cutting through teams pretty, pretty, pretty well because what what the system does, it's a real brave system to be honest. Because what it does is it essentially um, trusts defenders on the in possession and trusts them to make a, a, a quick split decision and a pass into a man midfield. And you almost invite. It's almost like I don't know if many people play five aside, mm. but when you play five aside, um, if you if all of you flood forward towards the opposition goal when, you, when you're attacking you leave yourself so susceptible to the counter-attack yeah um, but actually the best way to play five-a-side is to pass it out um, almost to stand on your own byline and to draw the opposition team towards you and then quickly pass through them one-twos and then you're away and you can score yeah um, but it's essentially that idea but just transferred into a larger pitch you draw the opposition teams towards you and then you quickly play play through the press. So if Higazi has, say you have Higazi, Bartley and Dawson all showing for the ball, if you've got the opposition wingers cutting out um, the two centre-backs and then you've got the opposition striker coming towards the ball and then you've got uh, the opposition number 10, which is Berahino in this case, mm-hmm. going towards one of the midfielders, there were times when Higazi would just play straight through to Barnes because everybody else was marked, yeah. you're cutting out half of their team in one pass. Mm-hmm. I know it can sometimes be a bit... Uh, you can have your heart in your mouth and, oh goodness, they're going to lose the ball. Yeah. But actually, drawing the opposition team towards you opens up the pitch, makes it bigger, gives men on the ball a bit more time because you're assen- what you're essentially doing is is stopping the opposition team from being nice and tight and compact, which any defensive coach will tell you that's what, what you need to do. Yeah. Um, and you can play through it um, either over the top, but actually Albion try and play it on the deck um, and just get through the press and then you're away. And all of a sudden you've got Barnes running at their two centre-backs and Gael and Rodriguez making runs and space is everywhere. You don't want that as a defender, do you? You don't, no. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, you know, that's Barnes as that number 10 makes this system work because he's he's in between the lines and um, you know the amount of times Brunt or Livermore or, or, or Higazi found him in space, and he turned and drove at defence, and then tried. You know there was one point where he found Rodriguez, and Rodriguez yeah. should have done better. 
You know, that is, that's why this system works. But you have to trust your defenders on the ball. And what Bartley was saying to us is, yes, we know, but we're almost encouraging the opposition team mm. to, to come and press us. And then as long as Livermore and Brunt and Phillips and Gibbs are showing for the ball and Barnes, then it will work. Yeah. I, you know, it's it's because it, it, what it does is it is it stretches the opposition when they're out of the ball, and then little pockets emerge. A little word for Chris Brunt, who I thought had a much improved game. Livermore was fantastic, arguably man of the match up there with Dwight Gale. Mm-hmm. There's no getting around it. He he was superb in and out of possession, but Brunt as well um, was vastly improved on, on recent weeks, and uh, I think he deserves a little mention for that as well. Yeah, certainly Livermore. Bit of a lucky boy, though, isn't he? What with the handball? Yeah, I think. I, 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 and another day. I mean, we just we did discuss this in the post-match video, so we won't go on and on about it. But on another day, another referee is getting a red card for that, possibly. But isn't the rule now? I'm pretty sure the rule is um, with Championship referees double jeopardy, isn't it? Oh. I mean, I'd, I'd, I meant to look this up over the weekend, but I, I try to have some sort of day off on Sunday. Um, I thought the rule was that if you deny an obvious goal-scoring opportunity and it's in the box, now, because of the double jeopardy rule, you give a penalty, but you don't get sent off. Is that only if you're playing the ball, though? If it's handball or something like Intentional yeah, handball, is it know. a little bit different? I don't know I'm about intentional sure. handball. Um, I don't Which, I mean, let's be honest, it was intentional. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, it was, looked I mean, it. I mean, he <laughs> threw his arm at it, didn't he? So it must have been intentional. But he was, he was trying to shoulder it, but then he just sort of... It hit him on the top of his arm, like just above his elbow, didn't mm. it? Probably earned that luck, though, didn't he? Given the given the game he played, I mean, he was phenomenal throughout. Yeah, it was his day, wasn't it? That's it. What did you make of um, some of the pantomime, pantomime villains of the day? Sado Berahino and James McLean for Stoke. What did you make of them on their return? I was uh, obviously both of them got it from the crowd. Let's be honest, but um, on the pitch, neither of them were fabulous, were they? McLean was maybe one of Stoke's better players. He was running around at least. Um, I didn't think Stoke played very well at all. As I've said earlier, I thought the formation crippled them. I didn't think they did very well. Um, Berahino, he was pretty toothless, but I felt a bit sorry for him in the sense that he wasn't getting much service. Yeah. You know, he, you know, he was working off scraps, really, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. So was Crouch, really. But um, that was due to Albion's good defending. But. Um, McLean potentially one of their better players because he was running and running and running and never stopped. But I, th- I think we saw a McLean performance that we've seen in countless times on the Hawthorns. You know, yeah. he runs and runs and runs and runs, but when he gets the ball, there's a lack of quality there. You know, you compare it to Harvey Barnes, and it's night and day in, in some ways. Yeah. Um, okay, Barnes is a slightly different player, but um, yeah, I. They both got booed as as was to be expected. It's a bit, um, I don't know, it was a bit unfair of of, of uh, Rowett to, to drag Berahino off in the fiftieth minute, five minutes after half time, you know, and he knew he should have known that he was going to get that that yeah. that level of abuse. He he might have been better taking him off at half time, or at least taking somebody else off first, mm. because to drag him off so soon after half time, the first sub of the day. He should have known that was the response it was going to get. So yeah. it's a bit, it's a bit harsh. I know he's got to do what he wants, what he's got to do to win the game. And, and when he brought Woods on and changed the system, they did look better. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I was, I was quite impressed by the way that Albion did deal with Peter Crouch as well. I mean, I know as you said, he wasn't working off too much, but in previous games, it's been set pieces and balls into the box, which Albion have struggled with. Let's be honest. With Peter Crouch, you think this is a man who's going to cause him arguably the most trouble in the league, considering his size. And they handled him. He, I mean, he didn't really have a sniff, did he? 
That was the most pleasing thing, I think. It seemed that that was Rowett's plan. He'd obviously seen um, in previous games Albin concede a lot of goals from balls into the box, which they have done, mm-hmm. and thought, OK, I'll put Crouch on and we'll sling balls into the box and something's going to come good because they can't defend them. Yeah. But there was 41 balls into the box, crosses into the box, yeah. and Albin dealt with most of them. And Hagazi was brilliant in the second half, heading most of them clear. Bartley was also good. Dawson was fantastic too at, at that particular aspect heading the ball clear mm-hmm. and that's really really pleasing and encouraging for Albion fans because that has been a major concern in the first few games yeah. I think now okay obviously the goal conceded against against Borough was a, was an error but actually Darren was was quick to point out they had defended really about 30 set pieces or balls into the box throw-ins yeah. as well um, bef- before that um, so actually apart from one moment of madness in the last 180 minutes They've defended that that threat quite well, and like mm. you say, against the likes of uh, Middlesbrough, who have got what five or six, seven players, six foot yeah. three, four or more, and against Peter Crouch, that's something that is that should be uh, quite encouraging, and it's important for this league because they're, they're going to come up against strikers who are strong in the air, and they need to be strong in the air at the back. Mm. For me, I'm not sure about you, this seems like a bigger statement win than the seven-one over QPR. It probably does purely because QPR capitulated after half uh, with 30 minutes to go. I'm still not sure on Stoke. I mean, I've said it before on here. I'm not sure about their, a lot of things. I'm not sure about their business model. I'm not sure about Rowett. I think, like you said, I thought that was a bit a bit of an outdated. Fans are going to love you when you go to the uh, Bet365, aren't they? I don't think they'll probably care. I don't know <laughs> how, if many Stoke fans will listen to this podcast, but I, I'm not convinced by them. I think their business model is a bit shoddy. I think they've got a lot of money and they throw money at, at problems. They hand out long contracts. They pay over the odds. Um, and they're actually, considering the, the financial backing they've got, they should, not, they should not be in the championship. They should mm. never have gone down. They, they've got so much money. Um, it's um, yeah I'm not convinced by them so I I would like I, I'm waiting to see them be, be yes obviously Stoke were, were pre-season promotion favourites but I'm, I'm waiting to see Albion beat one of the real big boys you know mm. I mean if they do have, to be fair though they were you know they were close to getting a, a point at Middlesbrough so um, look I don't know what you mean because Stoke are on paper a tougher opposition than QPR yeah um, and they, they might come good you know, if they can get that, that midfield working with Woods and Allen. Um, but I think what it proves is that Albion are going to fear nobody at the Hawthorns, mm. certainly. And they're going to try and take the game to people at the Hawthorns, which is good. Now, if they can sort out that away form a little bit, um, they get a good win against Blues uh, in a couple of weeks' time, then, yeah, they'll, they'll be well on their way. Making a call one week into September. Do Albion finish ahead of Stoke this season? Um, it's difficult because I think Ryan Woods is a good signing. Um, but I reckon because of their firepower yes I think we finish above Stoke one man which will be needed is Dwight Gale for that did come off with an injury any news on that? he's fine so is Matt Phillips who pulled out the Scotland squad and James Morrison has got a minor groin strain that's why he wasn't featured but all three should be available for the uh, game against Blues Yeah, and you spoke to him after the game have a quick listen to that clip now is it nice to be the bride rather than the bridesmaid today? Because get two goals, obviously you've been setting up yeah. goals for Rodriguez. Yeah, Jay's been uh, getting all the, the fun at the moment and getting the celebrations in. But luckily it was my turn today and hopefully we just keep taking turns and getting the wins. How does this squad compare to uh, the squad you went to the Newcastle a couple of years ago? Because you know what it takes to get out of this division. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously very similar in the fact that we're expected to do well and we've got some great quality in here. But 
we, we also know that we know that we have to work just as hard as every other team. Otherwise, you find yourself unstuck and we know it's difficult. I mean, we wasn't able to do it the last week against Middlesbrough and it gave us a bit of a understanding of what goes wrong if we, if we don't work as hard as other teams. Is it pleasing that you bounced back from that defeat? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was vital that we picked up a win because you wouldn't have been nice going into the, into the break with two losses on the, on the bounce. And now we've picked up this win, we can enjoy the next two weeks and just get, get back to the training pitch. Right, so there you go. That's a clip with Dwight Gale post-match. Hope you enjoyed that one. We've got plenty of questions coming in, Matt. Plenty of questions. Uh, we'll get straight into them. First one from Dude. He asks, is the Phillips injury a concern or was it just a precaution? We've already covered that one. Uh, now, Paul Chappell. Why do you think there is such a reluctance to use subs by Dave? Two subs, one of which was after 85 minutes in 28 degree heat and a match we were controlling and winning 2-0. Makes a little sense not to rest Rodriguez Phillips and also give others five or ten minutes. Well, I think you're slightly dangerous territory if you're thinking about resting players when you tune them up. Because for me, at that stage, the game was not had not was not won at all. Mm. You know, I, I think I said at the time, I think I tweeted at the time, this game isn't over because um, Stoke were coming and they were coming on a bit a bit stronger than they had done in the rest of the game. Um, I think the reason he, he left it so late to change it is because Albion were in control. Yeah. Um, don't change it if it's Yeah, I think it's it was, working, it was right? working and I, I, I don't think that it needed um, too much of a change. I actually thought Robson Cohn did quite well when he came on. He won a couple of important free kicks. Um, what he does well is with his back to goal, he gives Albion an out ball when they're under a bit of pressure. Mm -hmm. um, there are two ways of looking at it really. You could either go for Burke, who's got that out and out pace um, that gives you an out ball over the top or you can go for Robson Cohn who's good with his back to goal that gives you an out ball into, into his... Um, into his chest or into him and you can, and, and you can win free kicks or he can lay it off um, at the moment Robson Carno is getting getting the nod probably because he's, he's done quite well off the bench so far scored a couple of goals um, but Burke's another option that you know you can you, you can you can play him as well as an impact sub mm. um, and obviously Barry came on late on to sort of uh, shore things up which is something he's he's quite good at um, so I mean I'm not entirely sure. They they seem to close up the game. You know, the Peters goal was a was a freak, a, a really good goal that they lashed in. You hold a, you hold your hands up to them, don't you? Yeah. So I, I'm not too sure um, you, he can be criticised for substitutions on Saturday. Um, I think the only game where I was a bit concerned by his subs was Bolton. Yeah. At home and start first game of the season. I thought you know that was crying out for James Morrison. But since then, I, I've been I have I haven't noticed any, anything too untoward from them. Um, you know, I know I know a lot of fans would like to see maybe the likes of Lico or Harper or Field come on. Yeah. But um, when the game when the game is at that tight at two 0 um, and it was still tight by the way, it was still tense. Yeah. I think you've just got to do what you think is right to win the game. Um, That's the issue as well because if he throws on one of these youngsters and then you know they do concede another and then all of a sudden he's getting pelters from fans saying why did you bring Field on? Why did you bring Lecco on? Yeah, and that's not good for their confidence, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, no, I think he managed it okay on Saturday. I mean, they won the game, so yeah. that's not <laughs> that's it, says it all. Chris Lepkowski, this is a good one. Thoughts on pre-match press food in the championship? Are we feeling the drop in standard? To be honest, at the Hawthorns, I thought it's been perfectly fine. Pre-match press food, yeah, it's the same as it was last season. Um, and if anything, it's actually better because there's less press. Yeah. So there's more, more food. More food. So. I got a bigger portion on Saturday. Did you get a bigger? Yeah, one? yeah, I got a bigger one. It was, it was decent. That so thing. yeah, no, it's the same same food, but it's just less 
press in there because it's not the Premier League and we haven't got all the uh, the f- um, sort of foreign rights holders and all that all those sort of Opta stats and all that sort of shebang kicking around. So um, it's just you know local media, yeah, <laughs> so, and a, well, and the odds radio and national. So yeah, it's good. What about the away days? You made what well, we made the away days. I tell so. you what, Nottingham Forest was brilliant. Uh, what was it? it? Was um I wasn't there for that one. You were there with Nathan. Roast Nathan pork Judah. baps. It was absolutely amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Norwich was a lasagna, which was nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but no, I don't Bor- think... Borough was all right as well, to be fair. What was Borough? I can't remember. Was it Cottage Pie? Yeah, I can't remember, yeah. I, I, imagine so. I think it was Cottage Pie. It was quite um, nice. Oh, we, we were really late though, weren't we, sir? We were late. I mean, yeah, we were dreadfully late. But there was still still food there, which was good. Yeah, yeah. I was When when, when we say we were late, we were we were there on before kickoff. don't worry. Yeah, but we there was there was a point on that drive where we didn't think we were going to be. Yeah, but, but no, you can't complain about press food. It's all free anyway. Exactly. You know, if, even if you just get a biscuit, you can't complain because it's free. Yeah. London Baggies, he asks, are West Brom fans asking too much or asking too little in terms of investment and ambition? Um, are West Brom fans asking too much or too little? Well, it depends on the fan, doesn't it, and what they want. Yeah. <laughs> it's difficult. I can't really... It'd be unfair on everybody to sort of lump them in as one. Uh, mm. So it's a difficult question to answer, really. Um, I think, I'll, I'll, so I'll answer it on, my, on a personal level. I personally think the uh, the Chadley money that they made should have been re- reinvested, if yeah. it could have been. But I'm also conscious of the fact that there's, there was no point chasing a bad deal that, that close to the deadline mm. if you don't think it's the correct one for the club. So. Yeah. Um, you know that was what Darren Moore was at pains to to, to say. Um, you know you can't force teams to bid on your players, so it is difficult to to um, predict when they're going to come in. Uh, and obviously, Chadley went to Monaco what maybe thirty six hours before the deadline, so yeah, pretty difficult to reinvest that money. In an ideal world, you would have reinvested that on a uh, on a maybe a playmaker or a, another centre back or something. But you know, I think. Um, I think the squad, as I, as I wrote on Saturday's paper, I think the squad is strong enough to win promotion as it is. You know, I know there's a lot of experience and youth in in midfield, as in there, there are almost a lot of players at either end of their careers, almost bookended. And the only person really in his prime is Jake Livermore. Yeah. But I still think you've got enough there to to, to find a formula um, to get through. And uh, and you know, I think if they need something extra in January, they can go and get it now. So um, that's my own opinion on on the, the investment. Um, you know, I think. We've covered the fact that Guachon Lai is not going to invest his money in, in, in players. He's said that before. Yeah. You know, he bought a club for the sole reason that he thought it was going to be a stable Premier League entity and uh, two years later it had gone down. Yeah. So he's not going to reinvest. Uh, I don't think, I think fans can, can kiss that idea goodbye. Um, they're going to have to use their parachute payments, the money they've got, to get back up. Yeah. Ian Hutchins, he asks, where do where do Gale and Rondon stand if we go up and Newcastle come down? We've already covered that one, Ian. Hopefully that's uh, been covered for you, as I said. Spencer George, any likelihood of Mark Jenkins giving an open interview to explain some of the decision-making regarding transfers to defend his strong budget statement and reply to the comments from Foster and GMAC? Well, I have asked to speak to Mark Jenkins um I believe he's free. He might be free next week. I don't think he's free this week, um, but he might be free next week. Um, and we'll wait and see whether he whether he accepts. Um, I think he was planning to put a statement out after the summer window anyway. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of uh, chuntering about that. That the, the, the statement he made about having the strong budget is that was that yeah just that mentioned? was part of it yeah. Um, and I've seen a lot about that. 
but I looked up the quote the other day, and I think he said something along the lines of, um, "Obviously, we'll have a really strong budget, or a very strong budget, because we've, because we've just come down from the Premier League. Um, but it's not about how much you spend; it's about what you spend it on." Mm. That's the full quote. Obviously, as a headline, you know, we turned it into Albion will have a strong budget because that's what he said. Yeah. But I think mean, you have to take it as the whole quote, and. Um, they have a strong budget because they've got parachute payments. Yeah. So they've got forty-one million pounds more than other clubs in the league. Um, that's what he means. Yeah. But the the wage bill is thirty-eight million pounds. So that you know a lot of that is taken up from wage on wages. Mm-hmm. Um, then you know he's, and then he's also caveated by saying you know it's easy to spend money and it is I mean they proved that last season it's easy to spend 15 million pounds on Oliver Burke yeah. doesn't necessarily mean it's the right decision you've got to bring in the right players um, and you know I I find it um, funny that people who want um, want their clubs to show ambition oh we've got to show ambition we've got to show ambition but then actually the best business I think is the business that is done cheaply you know yeah. you, know, you, think, you look at your the likes of Mares and Kante, who the gems that you unearth and the gems that you pluck out um, for relatively cheap, you know, the best business is is someone that you get for underpriced rather than someone that you pay over the over the odds for. Yeah. So I do think they, that there is a, a you know a question about um, the fact that they've made money this summer and that that money on Chadley, I'd like to see it reinvested into the squad, of course, but um, you know I think that that. That, that particular stick that's been used to beat Jenkins with the strong budget, if you mm. look at the, the quote he actually said, I think he, what he means is we've got more money than other clubs in the league because we've come down from the Premier League and we've got parachute payments. But that being said, they've got a, the biggest one of the biggest wage bills in the league, probably only Stoke. Uh, probably only Stoke, maybe. You've got a bigger wage bill than Albion, mm. I would say. Um, I'm trying to think of someone else who might. Uh, Villas will be pretty high. Villa, Villa, yeah, probably maybe Villa. Yeah. I can't think of anybody else. Yeah, Jake, uh, he asks any details on uh, Harvey Barnes's contract valuation. Could we buy him in Jan? And then James Morrow follows up. Also, do they have a recall option? Well, it's a season-long loan, and um, I'm pretty sure that that means that they can recall him in January. Um, I'm pretty sure it goes window to window now. So, yeah. If they want to, they can. I'm sure. I will check that, but I'm pretty sure they can recall him in January. Um, and as for buying him in January, I think that's fanciful. You know, he's a Leicester. He's going to be a lot of money. He was born. He well, it does not. It's not about that. It doesn't matter about money. Leicester won't sell him. You know, he he, yeah. was, he was born in Leicester, raised in Leicester. He's come through their academy. They've loaned him out to get championship experience. You know. That's what he's getting. He's having a breakout season in the championship. Mm. He could potentially be the next James Madison, you know. Yeah. So, and he was made in their academy. Unless Barnes pushes for a move to West Brom, and unless, as we're talking about Gale, unless Albion go up and Leicester go down, and Albion can offer him way more money, and um, Barnes pushes for it, I can't. I just can't see that one happening. I think. I think we've just got to enjoy the ride whilst he's here. Mm. Um, you never know. Obviously, things might change. He might he might not see a pathway to first team football at Leicester with 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 James Madison there. Yeah. Um, but I think at this stage in time, it's a bit fanciful to think he he'll, he'll join full time. Mm. Jason Long, any insights into the Gareth McCauley story? Quite worrying that people at the club would treat a player of his standing with such disrespect. Hopefully, that was the old regime, and those involved have left. 
the Gareth McCauley story, is it the one that he said? Um, or which bit, it depends which bits he means. So the so the bit about um, Darren Moore wanted me to stay, um, but the hierarchy said I was too old. Mm. Terraneo, who is now gone, thought um, thought McCauley was too old, um, and said that to Darren. Darren Moore was initially open to keeping him. Yeah. I, I think from, from having spoken to him, for what I gather. He was thinking about it. He, you know, he hadn't, he hadn't made his mind up. He was thinking, "Well, I, I've got, I've got an idea. I could keep him." Yeah. Um, obviously, he told McCauley that he was going to stay, so maybe he he, he was keen to keep him. Um, Terminator said he was too old. At which point, um, Darren said, "Okay, right," and he he moved on to other ideas. Started making um, contact with Bartley, you know, and they they obviously got Adara Bio in. Yeah. Um, and then what transpired obviously Terraneo has since left so um, well, I asked Darren about it the other day and he said um, look I'm not a, I'm not at loggerheads with any of the hierarchy still here so you know it seems seems to be maybe a, a, a victim or, or sort of a um, a bit of debris from the Terraneo disaster mm. that one um, as for um, as for what he said about um what the hierarchy said to him, I think it was in January mm. when we can't play you because we've just given Hagazi five years and we Johnny Johnny Evans is worth thirty million pounds. Yeah, I think that is that is ridiculous. But yeah. I I I I'm get the impression you know that is the well that is the previous hierarchy because in January and yeah. you know Darren was not head coach, Mark Jenkins was not chief executive at that time. Um, so that is that is either that's Messrs Pardew, Williams, Goodman, one of those. Who said that to him? Um, yeah. Which, you know, is not the way to run a football club because you shouldn't be paying players on on uh, what's the word? You should be paying players. You should be paying players on form rather than uh, merit. Merit. Not merit. Not merit. The other one. What's the word I'm looking for? It's um, reputation. Yeah. There we go. Um, that being said, I do think Macaulay's legs. Yeah. Went. I'd, I'd agree with Terranea's argument there he's probably too old which I would well, have, I'd agree with it. I mean he was fit he was but I mean in a 46 game season he what well, he what the, the caveat is what about John Terry yeah. John Terry looked completely off the pace in the Premier League but he did he looked amazing he looked really good in the championship yeah. so I do wonder if McCauley with like a Dawson alongside him a younger centre back in the championship maybe could have done it he looked off the pace in the Premier League for my money yeah but in the championship I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe he could have. Maybe he could have done a job. Um, he's got. I think he's off to Rangers now. So yeah. we'll we'll see how he gets on there. Um, and I hope he has. A, I hope he does well there. And I hope he he, he sees out his career there and, and does really well for them. But, and because he's McCauley was always great to deal with. An absolute yeah. absolute gent and a really nice bloke um, who loved to wind up as well. <laughs> just all yeah. Just he he is um, a modern day sort of. Albion hero, and it is a shame that he he left on the sort of those terms or mm, under a little bit of a cloud. Yeah, but not 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 through his doing. Um, but yeah, you know, they, it it's um, I don't know. It was one, it was one of those decisions when you saw it. I wasn't surprised that he'd been released because he is mm. he is thirty nine in November. Yeah. Um, so yeah, time works against him. Right, let's talk about competition. Nathan Judah has angered me in the past two weeks, Matt. I'm not going to lie. He's, he's put my bank account at risk, and not only that, but he's 
Has he been a bit disingenuous? He has. He's bigging up these conversations, offering two shirts, three shirts, but with first-time goal scorers, first goal scorers. I'm going back to the way we should be doing it and the way it should be because I want people to win a shirt. So what are you Just going one. To do? I'm going to do any time goal scorer. Any time goal scorer rather goal scorer. than first time goal scorer. first time. And I'm not going to pick Damari Gray. No, exactly. Yeah. Andrew Turn. Yeah. What was that about? We're, now, obviously, there's no... There's, so, you, there's, so what you're saying is that Nathan Judah there has bigged up what he's offering but made it more difficult for the fans to get it. That's exactly what I'm saying, Matt. Right, yeah. I'm, I'm going to make... A show things, pony, you might call it. Yes, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. that. Nathan, show pony Judah... I'm going with any time goal scorers. Now, the issue is there is no league football for us to talk about barring League One, League Two, so and so, so and so. International break. I mean, it gives us a bit of a break in terms of workload, but... No, it doesn't. I'm doing an FA Cup game on Saturday. Are you? Yes, I am. I'm Who? going down to Hensford Town All to right. see the mighty Pittman. Oh, well, I'm not joining you there. All right. I'm at a wedding over the weekend. Book this um. weekend off. But, fingers crossed you enjoy that. I hope you get a good game. I'm looking forward to it. But we're going to talk. We're going to talk international football. We're going international, Matt. Okay. So we're going to pick an anytime goal scorer from these three games: England versus Spain in the Nations League, France versus Holland, also in the Nations League, and then a friendly game: USA versus Brazil. Matt, do you want to give me an anytime goal scorer from England versus Spain? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the Nations League. I'm. I. You know what? When the idea was introduced, I was. I. I, I was worried about it, but now I'm. I'm getting excited for it. It's better than having. Friendlies three, four yeah, times yeah. through the like year, isn't it? Yeah, I quite like it. I quite like the idea. England versus Spain, any time goal scorer. Any time. Any time, any time, any time. Well, I think Costa's withdrawn from the Spain squad, so I don't know about anybody. If anyone, if anyone withdraws, then before we before we, we nail this down, we will... We'll, we'll pick another one. Yeah, yeah. we'll pick another one. Uh, is Kane going to play? Is he fit? Is Kane fit? No, he might, he might want to play. I don't know whether he'll be fit, though. Um, oh, who else is there for England? There's no one really, is there? I mean, they are playing Spain. Spain are a pretty, pretty handy yeah, but, side. Yeah, but who would you pick for Spain's side without without Diego Costa? You know? uh, I don't know. I don't think Isco gets that many goals. I'm trying to think who scores for them. No. Aspas, maybe? Aspas. Rodrigo? No. Harry Kane. Harry Kane. Harry Kane. Harry Kane. I'm going to pick the France-Holland game. And I'm going for... Mr. Killian Mbappe. That's a good shout. Yeah. See, I give people a chance. I like that. You know, I could have, I, I could have said Kante. Yeah. Well, he's playing further forward under um, Mauricio Sarri, isn't he? Different team, I know. He is, but I mean, okay. Mbappe has gone. Who are France playing? Game. Holland. France are playing Holland. Oh, I'm, I'm fancying France. I couldn't even name a Holland striker at the moment. The drop-off has been massive for Holland, hasn't yeah. it? Fall from grace. All right, USA Brazil. I'll, I'll let you pick one. USA Brazil. Is, is Neymar fit? Or is he? I'd imagine so. Uh, or maybe... Willian? No, I'm going to go for Coutinho. Coutinho, good pick. Does like a good goal, don't he? Yeah. There we go. So, one lucky person will be selected. If Kane, Mbappe and Coutinho score at any time, you'll win an Albion shirt of your choice with the name and number on. How about that? Better than, better than first-time goal scorers. You won't get three. You won't get three shots or two. You'll get one, but you've got more of a chance of it. Yeah, but did anyone get three? No. No, we got close first week. Did get close first week, yeah. Got close first week. Um, let's talk a little bit about the international break while we're here. Aren't many Albion players involved in international football, are there? No, that's a good thing, I think, uh, for the club anyway. Yeah. Um, Ahmed Higazi is going off with Egypt. That's it. 
Apart from, <laughs> well, that's no, not it, to be fair. That's it for the senior yeah. teams. But you've got Oli Burke is going to go with uh, Scotland on the 21s. Sam Fields off of England on the 20s. Hakeem Harper is off with England under 19s. So you've got maybe one first team player and three fringy squad mm. youth like youngsters going off apart from that everybody is available so I imagine they'll have um, well I know they've got a few days off at the start of this week yeah. just to sort of recharge the batteries after what has been a pretty hectic August lots and lots of games Yes, um, and then they'll be back in um, sort of towards the end of the week Thursday Friday and they've got a long run up then to uh, to, to the Birmingham game next week which I'm really looking forward to yeah and we'll talk about more next week so make sure you tune into next week's episode for that one that's the way you want it, isn't it? You want the youngsters getting time on the pitch for their nations, but you want your first teamers wrapped in cotton wool, so to speak, coming to training with you. Yeah, I think you do. Yeah, I think I think it's the best of both worlds. Really, the only person that can get injured and really on international duty from the from Saturday starting eleven is is uh, is Higazi, mm. and you've got Adarabio as we spoke about earlier to to come in if he gets injured. So they're in a good position, and they've got you know a week, week and a half to hone that formation even more uh, on the training pitch, to work on it, to, to, to get used to playing it uh, even more. Um, there's nothing like games, though. And I think mm. we're starting to see that. We're starting to see that the more games they play in that system, the more they get used to it. And, uh, yeah, it's bearing fruit. Um, it's four wins on the, uh, at home on the trot. And since they, so since they moved to this formation, which was halfway through the Nott- Nottingham Forest game, yeah. with half an hour to go, they've won... Five out of six in all competitions, and they've roared back to draw at Nottingham Forest, and they almost won that game at the end, if you remember. Yeah, yeah. So, it, the only blemish really has been the trip to Middlesbrough. And yeah. that was a last minute goal. Which, which was handball, which by the was way. Handball, and Middlesbrough's a really hard place to go, and they've kept five clean sheets in a row. I think it's all pretty positive, to be honest. It certainly is. One man we didn't see in this system, Nasser Chadley. Gone, oh, yeah. gone to Monaco. It's, it's, it's one, it's, it's, it almost seems so long ago. Uh, Monaco, 10 million quid. Um, the right move for all involved? Yeah, they've cut their losses on him. I mean, obviously, you'd want more money if you could because they spent 18 on him yeah. to start with. But listen, there's no point having him around if he's just going to sulk and not play and take home 40 grand a week and do mm. nothing. So just get rid of him. And like I said, it would have been better to have reinvested the funds. But. Um, I don't think there's any point having somebody who isn't going to play, who isn't who isn't hungry and, and isn't isn't really up for the fight mm. around the place just because oh they might do well if you can get his head straight, cut your losses, get someone better in, or get two players who are more likely to fight in. You know, I think what we've seen in the last uh, two or three years is Albion go for these names and they've and it's not really I can understand why you go for like of Chadley and Krakowiak um, and Sturridge when they become available because they are quali- high quality players but they don't seem very invested in West Brom and they don't seem very um, you know it's not the biggest club they've played for you know they've mm. played for, they, when they've played for Liverpool and PSG and Tottenham they're going to see it as a step down they're going to think that they're better than the club and they're not and I think that's what a lot of those players have. Um, that's what a lot of uh, those players sort of didn't really get to grips with, and, and and what actually sort of Albion paid the price for that in the end. What Dalmore has gone back to is trying to sign young, hungry players who playing for Albion is a pinnacle. You know, yeah. you look at like Connor Townsend, you look at 
Um, even Tyrone Mears, maybe you can say he wasn't expecting to get that chance. So you know mm. when he's on the pitch, he's going to be giving it everything. Yeah. Um, and I know we should be expect we we shouldn't have to question whether players give it everything. But they, you know, it's it's painfully obvious to see that not everybody was giving it everything last season. Um, but now we've got a situation where I think everybody is, um, and you've got a lot of competition for places. You've got lots of hungry um, young players coming through. And I think they've. I think actually. Considering the, the 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 troubles with the technical director over the summer, Darren Moore has done quite well with 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 what he's bought and what he's signed mm. um, in the summer. You know, I've I've already said that there were a couple of areas that may may need a bit more strengthening. They may need to look at it in January, but I think they've got a strong squad mm. and they've got a, a squad that seems pretty happy at the moment, and that is uh, that's crucial. Part of me still wishes I could have seen Nasser Chadley in this system because I think it would suit him as a number 10 yeah probably would but doesn't matter got Harvey Barnes coulda woulda shoulda yeah and obviously if Barnes get injured then you're in a tr- bit of trouble well you got Morrison there, you can it? put Morrison there you can try out other things but I just I just think Albion have been guilty in the past of, of, of holding on to players too long mm. the likes of Berahino for one yeah. Evans for another actually just cutting your losses and Chadley and getting rid of him. Yeah, it is rather than holding on to him for another year and him being a waste of space and also taking up so much airtime. You know, like Darren would have been asked about him every week. Like, oh, where, when's Chadley back? When's Chadley back? Do you know what? Just get rid of him. He's not part of the not part of the setup. Um, he's not gonna he's not gonna put it all in. There are other players out there who deserve it more. Um, we'll we'll get we'll re- recuperate some of the money and then we'll we'll put that into some into uh, you know other parts of the squad that need strengthening alright last question before we get on to a very quick quiz it was a quiet day for Albion in terms of the loan deadline yep is there any way you think they could look to strengthen or could free agents be a possibility I'd be surprised if they signed a free agent now um, unless they got an injury crisis yeah I'd be surprised if that was the case um, the areas I think I've fleshed it out before on Saturday's paper I if this was before the game to be fair yeah. I thought they needed a bit more of a dynamic midfielder someone mm-hmm. like Ryan Woods for example but then Livermore stepped up to the plate I thought on Saturday and, and proved he could probably be that player uh, and Brunton looked better too so actually they, they seem to be quite blessed with options in central midfield um, you know if they if those two tire over the course of the season you've got the likes of Harper and Field and Barry and Morrison pushing them Um I'm also a bit concerned that they've only got four centre backs for, and they're playing three at the back. Yeah, a couple of injuries, you're in trouble. They have got does Carl Samfield. Does he? He doesn't really count as. A uh, back, I don't think he? so. No, they have got Samfield who can play there. They have got Carl Hawkins who can play there. But you know, one of them's a central midfielder. The other one's um, just played his debut the other night in a Carabao Cup. So, yeah, yeah. I. That's that. Those are the two areas. But um, you know, we'll wait and see. All right, let's finish with a quick quiz. Baggy's beginnings quiz. So obviously, start of the season. We're going to review start of the season, Matt, with some questions. 15 questions in a who wants to be a millionaire style. Okay. Similar to the way we did. We'll be we'll run through this quickly, Matt. We'll run through this quickly because we are running on a little bit. We're almost at 50 minutes now. So they obviously start easy, get harder. West Brom lost their opening game of the season to Bolton. What was the score? 2-0, 1-0, 2-1 or 3-0? Uh, 2-1, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Who scored the only goal for the Baggies that day? Was it Matt Phillips, Hal robson Carnu, Jay Rodriguez or Harvey Barnes? Harvey Barnes. Yes, it was. It was a good goal as well, that one. West Brom followed that result with a 
all draw against which team? Norwich, QPR, Forest or Stoke? Forest. Yep. Matt Phillips scored Albion's only goal that day, but who hit the woodwork twice for them? Was it Barnes, Brunt, Gale or Livermore? You can phone a friend if you Barnes, want. Barnes, Brunt, Gale or Livermore? Who hit the woodwork twice? Yeah. Must have been Gale. Yes, it was. It was Dwight Gale. Who scored the Forest goal that day? Guediora, Graben, Goncalves or Osborne? It was a good say again. Who, who, say the names again. Guediora, yeah. Graben, yeah. Goncalves yeah. or Osborne? It was Guediora. Yes, it was. It was a good goal as well. It was a decent strike. 4-3 win at Norwich followed that game. What was the first goal scored by Albion in that? Was it a penalty, an own goal, a header or a volley? Um, I think it was a penalty. Yes, it was. Who scored the opener for Norwich? Was it Rhodes, Hanley, Pukki or Marshall? Rhodes. Yep. West Brom's next game came in the Carabao Cup against which opponent? Mansfield, Macclesfield, Luton or Yeovil? After Norwich? Yep. Luton. Yep. Albion implemented three a back three in that game. Who started in the three centre-back spots? Was it... Adrobayo, Bartley and Hagazi? No. Hagazi, Bartley and Field? No. Field, Hagazi and Adrobayo? Maybe. Or Hagazi, Adrobayo and Dawson? Wasn't Dawson the third one? Yes, it was the third one. West Brom beat QPR 7-1 in a huge statement win after their cup triumph. Who scored for the Londoners? Matt Smith, Luke Freeman, Joel Lynch or Connor Washington? Ah, well, I think... Did Smith head the ball down to Lynch? Was it? Who? What? Give me the options again. Lynch, Freeman, Smith, or Washington? I'll go for Lynch. Yes, you're right. Who scored West Brom's opener that day? Matt Phillips, Kieran Gibbs, Jay Rodriguez, or Dwight Gale? Phillips. Yep. Daniel Ayola's late goal gave Borough a one-nil win over the Baggies at the Riverside. But which Borough player got the assist? Mo Besic. Yes. Didn't even need the options there. No, I knew that one. How much did the bargain bucket cost on the way home from Borough? 1449, 1149, 1049 or 1349. Oh, For those who don't know, we did stop at KFC on the way home. There was one open till 3am in Middlesbrough. Well, uh, admittedly a Friday night. What was it an 8 piece? Was it an 8 piece? 10, 10, 10 piece. piece. So, what were the options again? 14 pound 49, 1149, 1349 or 1049. 10 piece with the drink. You get drinks. The drinks aren't included. No drinks, just drink. Not in a bargain bucket. Just you, you get the 10 pieces and four fries. What were the options? Sorry. £14.49. It's not that one. It's not that one. £11.49. Could be that one. £13.49. Not that one. Or £10.49. Oh, could be 10 for. I'm going to go for... Uh, can I do 50-50? Yeah, you're left with £13.49 or £11.49. £11.49. It's £13.49. Oh, no. <laughs> £13.49. 13, you got 13. They ripped you off. Well, I mean, I didn't have much choice. The options weren't great. And it was, what time was it? It was nearly mid- 12 o'clock. Nearly midnight and we were in Middlesbrough eating chicken. Do you want the last two questions? Go on then, see if I can get them. All right. The Baggies beat Mansfield in the second round of the Carabao Cup with Carl Edwards and John Lecco both scoring. Which of the two wears the number 20 shirt, Lecco or Edwards? Mm. Edwards. Lecco? Oh, I don't know. Sorry. Edwards versus 21. Oh, two goals from Dwight Gale gave Albion a 2-1 win against Stoke most recently but in which minute did Eric Peters score for the visitors was it the 
94th minute, the 95th minute, the 92nd minute, or the 90th minute? It was the 95th. Yes, it was. There you go. That wraps it up, Matt. There we go. That, that wraps up the whole thing. The whole that podcast. wraps up the whole podcast. All yeah. right. Nearly 55 minutes. Thank you for joining me. It's okay. Looking forward to non-league action? Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. Go on the Pitman. Go on the Pitman. Uh, make sure you listen in. Any uh, comments, any thoughts you may have, feel free to tweet us. And can you rate and review the podcast? If you listen on iTunes, because it helps us bump up the... Uh, it does do massively. The uh, whatever the thing, the, the charts or whatever. That's it. So we could be number one by Sunday. We so. could be. We could be. <laughs> If you're listening, or give us a review. And Five don't, stars. Don't forget, you can retweet and follow for an entry into win, into win of a single baggy shirt. Just keep an eye on the games this weekend. So, Matt, thanks for joining us. That's all right, thank you. And thank you from me.